0: FM talk here on the mighty Metro and uh, we're taking a look at the big stories in the world of business at the start of this new week and uh, I'm joined uh, to take a look at some of these stories by uh, independent market commentator and analyst and uh, CA Snesipo Maninjo. Snesipo, good evening to you and welcome. Evening Aya, how are you? I'm good thanks, how are you?
1: I'm
0: alright, I'm alright, I'm alright. Good, 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 good. good. And uh, something else that is quite all right at this point is uh, the Palladium prices. of Snesipo. has jumped above... The $2,000 mark, and uh, we certainly have been speaking about palladium a lot over the last 18 months or so, and uh, an entity here that has benefited, I think, in the recent moment due to uh, signals for some stimulus for the auto sector, and uh, we know palladium and uh, the other platinum group metals are used uh, for uh, catalytic converters and the management of emissions in many of the vehicles we drive, and it seems that all of the uh, nations that are considering stimulus of their auto sector, including the likes of Germany, uh, are, have uh, contributed to the rally that we've seen in Palladium and also its uh, mother or sister metal, Platinum as well.
1: Yes, yeah, so it's, it's, it's a combination of what you've um, just mentioned above, which is the automotive um, uh, stimulus taxes. But the other reason, which is number two reason why the price has gone up, is that because China is opening up right now and also the fact that they have now gone low in stock, so they've cleared their stockholding they had earlier towards the year from february onwards so it's pushed a bit the demand the short term demand at least mm. uh, for for the metal which is actually why the price is rallied and you've got some of the palladium platinum miners smiling quite lovely today at on the jsc but mm. that's just a function so it um stocks were depleted because of the shutdown and because of our shutdown our yes. lockdown and now that the um, as China started opening mm-hmm. up two weeks ago, they had depleted stocks. So uh, from a short-term perspective, um, the stimulus packages speak to more medium to long-term, mm-hmm. which shows a positive outlook for the sector. So they should be smiling because mm-hmm. they seem to be one of the few that where Cor- Miss Corona is not going to be killing their business model.
0: So let's just talk briefly. I guess in, on the shorter uh, term side of things, uh, I mean, we we have seen some supply side concerns here. Impala Platinum uh, reporting uh, several workers testing positive for COVID nineteen. Also saw something similar at uh, Sabania Stillwaters operations. And if you think about those two players. Uh, in the global supply of uh, platinum. I mean, uh, you know, that that's the lion's share of uh, some of the producers here, Sabani mm-hmm. and uh, uh, in Platts. And, of course, having these kind of cases on their operations would, mm-hmm. uh, I guess even in the short to medium term, uh, trigger some concerns about uh, the um, security of supply of this metal in the global market.
1: Um, so, remember, earlier in the year, um, Anglo, in one of their production plants, which is also used by... Um, uh, Impala and Sabanya was a uh, force majority. So mm, remember the yes. accident uh, earlier in the year? So that was the supply constraint which decreased production, number one. Number two in that, remember um, Amku, I think one of the unions, I'm not sure which one, which union, uh, requested that because of e migrant system, migrant system, migrant labor system, mm. that before the workers go back to the mine, they need to all be tested, which would have prevented this by the way, which is also one of the issues, one of the issues, mainly because if you track back in history a hundred years ago, the reason why the Spanish flu was able to spread globally was because of the migrant labor system. Mm, mm. So remember the workers, they, if you know where they are, in Rustenburg, um, in Rustenburg, north, the north-northwest If they, there was a shutdown, they went back home to the Eastern Cape, they mixed with other people, and then they brought back the corona back to Rustenburg. So that was the reasons why the unions were calling for testing before commencement of production, because that would have identified issues uh, before it interrupts. You could have been easily be able to isolate and start production. But of course, the uh, employees uh, were not um, in terms of the, the regulation. They did not have to test workers. They just only had to maintain hygiene levels.
0: Mm, mm. and uh, i mean i guess the the other things necessarily just when we when we take a look at the uh, platinum sector is a lot of even the trade of vehicles uh, which is probably the i guess lag or, or lead indicator here that drives the demand for uh, you know for platinum all of this is going to be determined by uh, you know the reopening of economic activity and uh, how many nations respond to this covid-19 crisis so yes it might look like there's um, you know a really bullish environment Uh, underway in the short to the medium term. But a lot of that is going to be really reliant on uh, government action, not only here uh, in South Africa, but uh, in many of our destination markets in Europe.
1: Yes, the question, no no one doubts the impact of corona. Um, The question is that how quickly are we going to recover? Because it's easy for us to talk uh, when we think about the timing. But the question is how quickly are we going to recover? So you've got uh, in the US, 30 million people have lost their jobs. 30 million jobless claims, yeah, just over 30 million jobless claims. You, in the same, same impacts are happening in Europe. question is how quickly are these people going to be rehired? How quickly are we going to be taking over? That is sort of where the question, and for me, that's, I, I still don't have sight of that. So it's grateful that people are bullish. That's why I said the Chinese demand was actually more of the reason, Was because they, you're bullish now, mm. but we we don't know how quickly markets are going to recover, how quickly people are going to go back to purchasing of cars. We,
0: we don't know. Certainly tough times, and uh, talking, of course, about industries that are reliant on... Uh, uh, all of that. Uh, let's take a look at what's happening at Emirates here. Yeah? And uh, uh, thousands of jobs on the line and uh, certainly uh, signaling some tough times there for many of those households that are reliant on uh, uh, the uh, livelihood uh, brought by those 30,000 uh, workers who might uh, see uh, um, jobs lost after this.
1: You know, I'm touched by Emirates. No, Emirates is my favorite airline. I'm touched. but really? in- it is. Okay, all
0: right.
1: It is. Okay. It is. You know, it's so comfy there. They're so nice. They're so... It's customer service, dude. Customer service. Okay. But getting back to why. Um. So quite issue. Emirates is owned, as you know, the a state-owned entity. Mm. And unfortunately, the state is having issues with the oil price. So they're not as cash flush as they... The idea of a bailout is not, in the short term at least, is not going to be happening because of where the oil price is at, where the oil price is at. So they've had to look at restructuring, cutting CAPEX, retiring of aircraft. Um, and this comes from the fact that Emirates has always been, um, they've always been, they've never had these issues before. But uh, this, this lockdown travel issue, travel blame, not having a big brother or big daddy in this case, being able to bail you out. In the situation, I think also plays a t- plays a part. Plays a part, and from every report that I've written, um, I've read. I'm sorry. Um, the, the expectation is that air travel, specifically international travel, which is where Emirates actually play, because the UAE doesn't have a bigger enough um, domestic travel market, is the is the fact that travel is only expected to resume properly in 2023. So, you know, you're sort of looking. So, I think them, they're doing the cutting earlier rather than later. Mm.
0: It's certainly a tough one uh, here, Snesipo. And uh, I mean, just, just when we look at, uh, you know, the fortunes of, um, you know, uh, I guess Emirates, and uh, you take a look at that alongside. Uh, the fortunes of another entity uh, closer to home, South African Airways, uh, and uh, I remember listening into that call on uh, I think it was Friday or Thursday last week, uh, where you know the uh, uh, Standing Committee on Public Accounts in Parliament was listening to a presentation from the business rescue practitioners and from uh, the Department of Public Enterprises, and uh, I mean for me it's it's. <laughs> I guess it speaks volumes here about the breakdown in the relationship between the shareholder and the business rescue practitioners here. To to have seen how that particular call unfolded, Uh, you know, one of the practitioners saying, you know, very, very little. And I guess maybe that's what they had decided going into that meeting. But it was quite clear from a lot of the lawmakers there that um, um, there wasn't, um, I guess, understanding on their part and accountability on the part of the business rescue practitioners for how this process had unfolded.
1: Okay, so I'm going to speak as someone who understands business rescue. I think uh, Minister Praveen needs to speak to his legal team and his team of advisors on what business rescue actually is. I think there was an understanding issue by the standing committee. The business rescue practitioners presented a plan in which the shareholders, so how business rescue works. Let me just explain to you this, way. The business rescue is when you appoint a business rescue practitioner to take over the management of your business because management has failed and to find a way in either, A, venture to uh, systematically uh, wind down or to continue. But there is a plan that is presented that creditors then vote on. The issue being with -SAA, SAA was that the plan... The business rescue plan was never to say we will rescue SAA. It says we will find a way, in a way, a manner in which the creditors are able to get the best value from SAA. That is business rescue. It is not about necessarily saving a business. It's looking at how do we find a way to orderly pay back our give the company breathing room to find a way that's going to allow the company to settle its liabilities. It does not speak about starting a new business. It does not speak to sure. resaturating new business.
0: I mean, I want us to pause here for a second because uh, I, I think you, you really outlined the process very well. Uh, because I think the the real contentious issue here, one is, yes, about the commencement funding and uh, you know the decision by the government to say we, we can't give you more money at that point. And then the latter decision by the business rescue practitioners on the basis of that communication to then wind the business down. Let's maybe talk to that and uh, what you see as the misunderstanding of some of the lawmakers on that So,
1: So so the business rescue practitioner requested post commitment funding. The government rejected that offer. And because the business rescue practitioner could not sustain the monthly operational cash flows of SAA, then said the best methodology for us is to retrench all the staff and to unwind the business. So that the creators can be paid because government, as the shareholder, has not, has said they are not going to step in. Where was the miscommunication in there for? Number two, I know both, uh, business rescue practitioners from a professional standpoint, and I was quite dismayed and disappointed in which, how the whole thing unfolded. The, the, the lack of, um, the lack of respect. Let me just talk Back about the this. No, the lack of respect for the profession of business rescue. Because for me, if the shareholder, we must, we must separate this from, if the shareholder is unable to put in money into the business and the business is unable to get additional credit lines because the shareholder will not support, please propose what is the next process well. We cannot, when you're looking at business rescue, and this so comes you they're from being me, yeah. they're being scapegoated They're being scapegoated because the truth be told, let's talk, let's talk operations, let's not get into... You take me back to my debt collection days. Uh, When you look at what the business rescue process is, it is about getting the maximum value for creditors. If the government is unable to satisfy creditors and is unable to satisfy the monthly operational cash flow requirements required to fund SAA, mm. as the the budget, as the financial statement showed that the company is under operational loss.
0: So, so Snesip, it, I mean, with what you're saying, I'm now trying to understand on what basis then the unions would have won their challenge before the courts. No, they um, ar- that if- wait, wait. let me finish on the question of the presentation of a business rescue plan, because we do know that in the legislation, there's a certain time frame uh, put uh, for the plan to be presented by the practitioners. And we understand that we still are yet to see that kind of plan coming from uh, the two business rescue practitioners in this case. Uh, what do you make of the judgment that the court made, I guess, in light of what you're suggesting that, you know, uh, Mattison and Dongwan are here being used as scapegoats?
1: The thing is that again, this is where I think we have an expect this is an expectation gap issue. This is truly an expectation gap. The business rescue practitioner is there appointed on behalf to benefit the creditors. Not the staff, not the business, the creditors. That's ultimately whose interest they need to put above and hold. So when we look at where uh, I think where medicine and code uh, where it fell apart was procedurally in terms of how they communicated to the and also the manner in which they communicated procedurally, they the manner in which they communicated, and also, and that is also so. What my question and that was not another wait, wait, thing say, is say
0: that again. Wait, wait, before we leave, so you're saying there's something wrong in how they communicated.
1: Yeah, the same way more, they did it was
0: more. cold. Ah, uh, the the way they communicated,
1: uh, it was cold. Even me, they It was cold. The way they did it was basically was a take it or leave it. There was no consultation, and they also hadn't published their business rescue. For me, I think they failed on a procedural so, level.
0: The plan? For me, that's 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 an
1: issue. That, the so that hmm. they, is, they literally did, but 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 Aya, they tell you the plan, the plan is that we're going to unwind.
0: Ah ah, uh-uh, your plan, then. That is no, a plan. no, 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 no. Let, let me explain what what I mean when I say hey, your plan lay. The decision to unwind is a reactive or reaction to the government saying the post commencement funding you know, is not plan. Yes,
1: but then what also? that's not to a do? plan. But that is a plan. Aya. We have a, Aya, in the absence. They, in the absence of post commencement funding, what is the alternative?
0: Okay, all right. Let, let's leave it there, necessary because we're going to pick this up again with Ray. Uh, I certainly am um, on. With Ray, who will Ray? Hi, man, come come. We're going to speak to Ray. We're going to speak to Ray in the next uh, few minutes or so, uh, just on this question and, and other issues that uh, are emerging at SAA, because uh, it seems here that there's a collision course between uh, the uh, uh, trade unions and even the shareholder that is uh, inevitable. Uh, just judging from some of the uh, remarks that have been made. But uh, Snesibo, uh, just before we let you go, I mean, I want us to speak about this uh, Heatherson issue, uh, and uh, you, you know more about related party. Uh, issues and what then is expected from people who, I guess, find themselves in a bit of a tricky situation in terms of uh, uh, related party transactions. Uh, what's happening here with Steinhoff and uh, the chair, Heather Son, who decided to exit stage left early on today?
1: So uh, Heather Son is uh, MD of a company called uh, Gamera. Gamera. So they are they're an investment-holding entity which has interest in financial services, uh, insurance So they have an investee call, an investee entity, which is, uh, I think the word is called Blake. Blake is on the debt uh, collection panel of sign-off. Now, the question is that this was not disclosed. Simply because this was not disclosed. And now, it just brings into question, this relationship apparently has been in existence for a very, very, very long time. However, for me, it just brings into uh, Dispute uh, the different, um, the different, sh- the different elements of sign off of related party situations, and mm-hmm. and for me, I mean the that's their middle
0: name, right? I mean uh, related if you were to the culture. It it's the culture.
1: Mm. The the thing with sign off these things of related parties and of directors directly benefiting from their position as directors directors in an entity they serve where they're appointed by shareholders, but they're also taking um, uh, uh, some uh, remuneration on the other side. It's, it's, it's a culture. It's a culture engraved in the company. Apparently, they said that she didn't do anything untowards, but we don't know. I don't know. I don't know why they had to disclose it two years later. They had to describe, and what's even worse is that... Um, Do you think this so is something
0: they're doing like after the fact to, I guess, maybe tick a box um, for whatever reason? It might be for audit reasons. It might even be for the investigations that continue. Uh, I'm thinking in uh, other parts of the world, into Steinhoff.
1: No. I I'm think, not expecting
0: I'm, much from, from our investigation here. No, mean,
1: no, 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 no. I'm, I'm quite simple. I think someone was going to out it. Cool, cool, cool. It's literally... A, this is just an educated guess. Um, this relationship has been going on for... A while for years mm. it's it's been in effect since she was chairperson in uh twenty eighteen so you can only assume that if you're only disclosing it now in twenty twenty and you sort of are uh, sliding in that oh um oh, and that there's been no issue, my question is. This thing is there's, there's an entire section in the financial statement that talks to related party transactions, and you'd find it's a debt collection agency. It wasn't even probably is not as big as we're um, as we're making it out to be, but mm. we don't know. So the fact that you're disclosing it years later, yeah, it, yeah. Uh, I mean... it just it just leaves a sour
0: taste. And with the number of credit facing or, you know, credit driven businesses in the Stein of Stable, I mean stable, yes. I wouldn't be surprised that these guys at some point were collecting the debts on behalf of one. Yeah, they were. They were on the
1: entities. panel, they were. The problem is that mm. they were. We can't even deny that they were not they were. Awesome. The question the question is that did Heather use her position to influence them being allocated more business? Did it there's so many questions to it but and none of them they revealed to us because We disclosed this thing two years later.
0: Is she under any obligation to answer? I mean, ex-post after the fact?
1: Um, So, technically, you're supposed to... um, The way they worded their sins was also quite weird. Uh, But I understand, I think they wanted to avoid being sued by anybody. The way they worded it, they were very, very... The way that they worded the sins was just in a way that it doesn't bring us to say that, no, she wasn't... I was like... No, they said that they they did it under the market abuse they claimed that it wasn't aware uh, yeah, they weren't aware like so for me, like they say they recently acquired this information hmm. and she and they were, and she said she wasn't yeah. aware yeah. hey Hi, I, I'm, I'm just I'm just pointing it out that
0: mm-hmm. um, i'm not sure I'm not sure the
1: thing is that i I googled they there actually the thing is that. She's listed as MD of the business. So I don't even, uh, as an executive, as a director in the business as well. So (laughs) there are just so many questions. Mm. That's a thing, that's a thing. So I'm not saying she's done anything, just questions.
0: Unfortunately, we have run out of time and uh, I want to make sure I've got enough uh, of, I guess, the lion's share of a minute uh, because uh, uh, we've given each other some homework last week and I want to make sure uh, uh whether or not you gave yourself a chance to take a look at that the question was uh what is the name of the state owned pharmaceutical company and i guess it's an important question in the context of where we find ourselves with covid-19
1: oh so i know who they are so it's quite interesting so they are etlapela so they are
0: don't do that you know guni thing where we don't you know <laughs> Why are you outing me <laughs> <laughs> no, why are
1: you know
0: why outing sisopila okay.
1: yeah all right, so they are an executive state or the entity that was being formed, but unfortunately they are not operational to the scale that they wanted to. They've been looking for international um, strategic partners to partner with mm. in order to scale up their operations. But from what I can see, they haven't gone there yet. They've sent out a few tenders, RFIs. Um, so they're there, but they're not there, if you know what I'm saying. Operating they're, in the shadows. They, they're there, they're operating in the shadows, which is, which is unfortunate because as when I was reading their founding statement from company founding statement, they, South Africa does have the largest, um, ARV treatment program in the world. Mm. We have there is sufficient of a business case for them to explore yeah, yeah. why they haven't gotten to where they needed to
0: be. I certainly hope anybody in the area of Brits, because that's where this company is, uh, Yeah, let us know if you know of kitapila Pila. That's the state-owned pharmaceuticals company, and we certainly need them. Uh, at this moment. Uh, In the next few minutes or so, I'm going to be catching up with Ray Maslaka. He's uh, uh, he's one of the uh, journos at the Daily Maverick. And we're going to be talking about all of this happening at our national carrier and whether or not we might find ourselves with a new carrier, because uh, some in, uh, I guess, the corridors of power or the powers that be uh, feel that it's a strategic necessity for South Africa to have a national carrier. We continue with that on the other side